Welcome to the Modern Savage Podcast. This is episode nine. My guest today is a medical professional, entrepreneur, scholar, and family man who advocates the pursuit of knowledge, the need for critical thinking, and whose intellect and insight I admire and continually learn from. Please welcome my friend Andy. All right, man. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Good to have you. It's good to be here. Mm-hmm. Nothing like a couple cold ones after a long day's work. That's right. So what have you been up to? Working. Um, <laughs> that, <laughs> kind of how that much. dominates the conversation for most people, right? Paying those bills. Yeah. Okay. What else? Uh, we just got back from Florida. Where were we at in Florida? We went down to to Naples. How you like it? Uh, it was good. It was. It's different than some of the other places I've I've been in uh, in Florida. Okay. Um, this is your first time in Naples? It was my first time. So my uh, my in laws have a place down there. So okay. We, so we got to see some family. So that was good. Took it's the, a little yeah. You, it's a little bit different than other places. A lot of golf courses and uh, right. Yeah, know, older, it's more of the retired crowd. Yeah, older folks, nice cars. Very. Um, it's not the low rent district, that's for sure. That's for sure. Yeah, we had the the previous few years we had gone down to uh, 30A, so okay. it's it's a much different, uh, um, yeah, much different environment. That one's uh, a lot of Midwesterners heading down south and families, lots of kids on bikes. Which mm-hmm. is pretty fun. It's interesting, depending on where you're at in life, like how where you find yourself sort of ending up, no matter where you vacation, right? Yeah, yeah, totally. It's um, Florida's an interesting state, man. I've spent, I've lived down there. Um, I went to school down there for a while, and I had family down there. I've kind of been all over, but it's depending on where you're at in that state, it's completely different one to the other. Yeah, we took a um, an airboat ride on the. Uh, the Everglades. So we drove drove down south and um, first time doing that. Yeah. So what a I, trip that is. Yeah. So one of my kids had done it before, but the other ones hadn't. Okay. And uh, yeah, it was it was fascinating. So the the guide that was driving the boat, uh-huh. um, I think he was like thirty two or something like that. He was kind of a younger guy. Sure. He said he was sixth generation um, down there in the Everglades, and. Um, and it's really interesting, like, the, I took some videos of it, but, you know, he's, it's like a video game. He's navigating, you know, these really tight paths, like, right. all throughout the Everglades. With a fan, basically with a fan. Yeah, yeah. Right? Totally. Like, that's the thing, is that you don't, there's nothing touching the actual water or the earth, because they, they don't, they want zero clearance, because you're going through, like, mud sometimes. You're just flying over mud. Right, right. And... And it, you know, he's he's clearing the you know the branches by like inches on each side the right. entire time, and he's going fast. Oh yeah. You know? Do they have all of you guys in the same boat? Uh, so we had yeah we had six people uh, sitting up front, and um, you know about halfway through he stopped and he was kind of just answering some questions and um, he was saying that. Um, so I think Lake Okeechobee is was the mm-hmm. is kind of the freshwater lake that had or that feeds you know part of the Everglades right. and so like half of it's freshwater half of it's salt water right and I think because of all the development um, they'd kind of diverted a lot of the water so it changed the the, the habitat down there mm-hmm. and so it used to be like lots of uh, grass. Mm-hmm. And now it's all uh, mangro- mangrove, like all these trees, you yeah. know, those mangrove bushes, trees yeah, or whatever. trees. And uh, so, you know, he was kind of lamenting that. And um, The impact that people have on the world around them is just, you know, I've said it before. I, 
mankind does some very impressive things, but at the same time, man, they sure make a mess of whatever they touch. And then, and then there's things like uh, the, the Burmese pythons. Did he talk to you all about yeah, that down there? Yeah. Which is, I mean, utterly ridiculous. You, someone is like, you know what would be a good idea? We should let this completely non-native, massive snake go into this ecosystem. I wonder what will happen. And it's, of course, just destroying everything. Because it's the top of the food chain. Of course. Right? Yeah. I mean, what eats a 30-foot snake? Yeah. I mean, it's out there eating alligators, for God's sake. Well, so, yeah, he was talking about that and said, um, so what the state of Florida decided to do a while ago, a few years ago, I think, was um, they were paying people to um, per python that they would right. kill and, and you know, and, and bring to the whatever, the station or whatever, pay him 150 bucks. And so he said that, you know, lots of the locals down there would, you know, would load up in trucks at night with the, you know, with the floodlights and the, and the shotguns and, and go hunting, you know, for, for money. And he said that the cops eventually just figured, you know, if, you know, if there are guys in a truck with guns at night, you know, I guess, <laughs> probably I guess they're probably out five on hunting. Yeah, so we'll just leave them Did alone. he say that it's been at all effective? Or, I mean, because I imagine he's out there and he must know better than most. So I think, I mean, I, I think that he had said there were over, I think, a, mil, you know, a million plus pythons out there. and Think about that. And, a million. Yeah. A million giant snakes. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I think after a while, I think the, the state probably gave up on... The well, they said it's one of those money. things where, you know, they're going to get back into these places where they're, they're, there are no people, right? They have no natural predators. I don't know how many eggs they lay, you know, per time or how many, you know times a year that they're having right. a, a hatch but you got to think i mean after a while that number has just gotta become insurmountable right have yeah you, have you ever held a, like a small python no a couple of my buddies like growing up in college and after college they would have these like ball pythons nothing big three feet right the, the sheer strength of those things when they would, you would pick it up and it would wrap itself around like your forearm and it would constrict. It was unbelievable. Yeah. Now I can, can you imagine what something 20 feet long does? And they're as fast as lightning too. If you've ever seen a snake like hit a mouse or go after right. an animal, it's so fast. You can't even believe it. How big was the one that you were holding? Oh, like three, four feet long? Yeah. You know, nothing. Right. <laughs> you got these things down there that are 25 feet long and yeah. weigh a couple hundred pounds. Like, no thanks, man. Oh, man. Yeah. You know, good for the guys going out at night with shotguns. <laughs> right. I mean, I hope you brought enough ammo. Like, right. You know, what happened to Tommy? Like, yeah. I don't know. I yeah. haven't seen him for a few days. I think they said that the the anacondas were another another issue. And I think it just um, speaks they to got, how stupid those, people are. You know, like that they thought that this would be a good idea. You know, like we're going to have some sort of an exotic pet and, oh my God, now, you know, my pet Slithers is too big for his cage, so I'll just scoot him out the back door. And then fast forward about 15 years, 20 like, years, or whatever God, it is. It's just, <laughs> you moron. Yeah. And so we, we also took a um, car ride up north to uh, St. Petersburg. Okay. And they have a, the Salvador Dali Museum. So mm -hmm. that, was, that was pretty fun. Um do your kids get, I mean, like, so how old's your oldest? So my oldest is just turned 16. Okay. So are we kind of getting to that point now where things like culture are beginning to have at least some sort of an impact or appeal? 
Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, yeah, it, it's, it is fun to, to kind of, um, you know, to, to go through these various stages with, with all the kids. But yeah, I mean, yeah. So the oldest one now is 16. He's dri- He's driving. So, How's that? uh, good, good. <laughs> hey, I mean, it, 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 it's, uh, took a little time to, to get him up to speed, but, sure. um, but yeah, it's, it's really convenient and yeah, he's a responsible kid. So good for that. Uh, yeah. Looking back on that, like, I can't imagine, you know, being at this age of my life, like what that must've been like for my parents, you know, when I went through those things, like, you're like, oh, it's fine. You know, in the moment, all you want to do is you, all you want is the independence. You're 16. You want this and that. But as a parent, like my God, especially like my father for looking at someone like me, it must've been harrowing at best. Yeah. I mean, I, I look back and, uh, you know, I think my parents were, you know, I don't know, like at times were over, or, you know, I thought overly concerned about, uh, what I was up to. Sure. <laughs> I was up to no good. I can do right. that. But, but, you know, I, I always thought they just probably didn't want me having fun, but I think, but you, but now like being a parent, you realize like, no, it's like, you just don't want something horrible to happen to your kid. Right. Exactly. <laughs> that well, never I mean, crossed my mind. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think it's just one of those things that comes with like time and perspective, right? You get you get a little bit older. You you see things for what they are. It's amazing when you're that age, how how little you're actually aware of as far as the potential dangers of the world. Yeah. Uh, you just you just don't see it. And I think part of that is the environment with which you grow up in. Right. I grew up in a nice place. Presumably, you know, you too, and obviously your kids. Um, but you're like, oh man, that's a lot of the world's not like that. Yeah. You know, and you'd like to think that everyone is as, you know, well-intentioned as your parents or your parents' friends, but also not so. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. You're not, you're usually not growing up around, uh, you know, tragedies or, um, you know, rough areas. And But I and think, it, like I mean, that I think is very small percentage of people that are able to say that that they had such a fortunate upbringing yeah you know i think one of the things that i try to remind myself is there are a lot of people that do see tragedy or you know danger or misfortune and having the perspective that those things either don't happen or can't happen to you I think is is potentially very dangerous. Yeah. I think that a lot of people try to insulate their kids. And I understand the intent behind that, but I think ultimately I think that that's probably not the best plan because eventually you're going to have to step out from under the umbrella of your parents' protection. And you see people sometimes that are not, prepared for what comes after that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I think, um, yeah, I think if, you know, you, you have that desire to protect your kids, but you know, what ends up happening is, you know, they get fragile. And so we're just talking about that. I think what, you know, ideally what you want is you want your, you know, your kids or, you know, or you to face adversity you know, but not, not overwhelming adversity, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, there are, you know, there are circumstances, you know, domestic circumstances that can be, you know, overwhelming for, for kids. And, you know, then they, 
end up, you know, growing up and struggling with, you know, the the effects of that forever. Right. But um but it's yeah. like everything else, it's the sweet spot, right? Like you want you you have to have some but there can't be too much, right? You don't want the kid to be warped or something like that. Now, you do we last time we got together you were talking about this company that you have. Run me through that again. Like what is that? So it's a it's a healthcare discovery and mentorship website and mm-hmm. app for uh, for students. So high school and college students uh, interested in healthcare careers. And that's everything from like research to nursing to physicians to and the the full gambit. Yeah, so that's right. So I think um, you know a lot of high school students who express an interest in healthcare um, early on um, usually usually only know like two two pathways, you sure. know, nursing and, and physician. Right. But um, what ends up happening is there's, uh, you know, there's kind of, there's a lot of attrition that goes goes on along the way. But, you know, those, those students eventually kind of get triaged into uh, other great careers, mm-hmm. you know, healthcare careers that are, you know, in some ways very similar, like at, uh, you know, at, at their core to, you know, nursing and, 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 uh, you know, medicine. As you look, I mean, obviously being intimately involved with all that, as you look down, you know, a couple years, 10 years, 20 years, what are your thoughts on healthcare in this country, where it's going? And just maybe just sort of the health of, of people in general. We're at a crazy, crazy point right now, like in terms of, um, you know the um, healthcare workforce is, um, you know, we're we're experiencing massive shortages and um, and almost you know almost all all careers um, having you know unprecedented levels of burnout too, because what happens is you you know there's such a demand for healthcare services um, and not enough people to do it. it. There are a lot there are lots of different factors, but um, you know, it, it stresses the system. And then how do you, how do you deal with that? How do you recruit into that? What do you think are the major stressors? Like if you had to point to just a few things, obviously there it's multifactorial, but if you had to point to a handful of things, you're like, these are sort of the core issues. Someone's going to come to you through this mentorship program and they say, I'm thinking about a career in this. And you say, okay, be aware of these things going forward. What would you counsel them on? You know, um, one is uh, one is the cost. I mean, depending upon like what you, you know, what exactly you want to do, um, you know, some of the the cost for training can be um, prohibitive, or you know, or put you into a significant amount of debt. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I think I think that that's one. I mean, I I I think that. By and large, there's so much uh, so much upside to to healthcare. I mean, I think um, you know, just at at its core, like what you're doing is you know improving the quality of life for for others. Mm-hmm. So I think um, there's so much value in that. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, it's kind of like the you know, it's like the stock market when you know when times are tough, um, you know, and everybody's you know everybody's fleeing mm-hmm. um you know you might want to think about get getting, getting in. in so 
Yeah, I think there's a lot of potential. When when it comes to things like you mentioned burnout or the fact that there are like these obviously very significant shortages, whether it be, you know, physicians or nurses or, you know, what have you, why? Why do you think that that is? Why is there this shortage? Now, is that there, is it that there is more that it's the same number of providers, but that there is more work, more there are more patients? Is it a combination of the two? Like, to what do you attribute it? I think it's multifactorial, but I think, you know, a big, you know, a big part is, um, you know, it, it's a business, you know, it, it it's, uh, you know, when the business part of things um, kind of, uh, you know, take over and influence Mm-hmm. you know, influence the, the care of, care of patients. Um, I think that's the, I mean, it, it, it's just the reality of like, that's the way healthcare is delivered in this country is, mm-hmm. is as a business. And so, yeah, I think that's, that's probably at, at the core of the issue. Do you, you know, one of the things that I'm always curious about is even though I think, you know, having traveled to a number of different places is that it seems as though the quality of, or the potential quality of healthcare in this country is perhaps among the very best in the world, but that the overall health of the populace is disproportionately low. Why? And I, I mean, I know I have my own thoughts on that, but what do you think about that? I mean, you have access, not everyone, but many people have access to what could be considered like by most standards, pretty good healthcare. Um, and obviously there are things as far as, you know, that it gets kind of nebulous as far as insurance and, and who is able to access what. And one of the big things that, you know, I have a trouble with is, um, like the veteran community and their access to quality healthcare. But what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. I mean, I think if you look at the, the healthcare expenditures in this country versus others, mm-hmm. like we, we dwarf, um, you know, dwarf a lot of countries, but it's not always to, as you, as you're mentioning, like not always to the, um, you know, you don't see the, the corresponding benefit mm-hmm. in the numbers. Um, you know, I, I think it's, uh, yeah, I, I, I think, um, I don't know. I mean, I think there are probably multiple reasons. I, I think another thing is obviously the, the lifestyle, um, lifestyle issues, you know, just what, kind of the Western diet and a lot of the, you know, we have the, we have the best of the best and then the worst, and the worst, and the, the worst, worst, of the worst. In, some, in some ways here. Yeah. I always, I think that that's one of the things that I look at is definitely, I think there is this notion that you can do whatever you want and live however you want and show up at your doctor's office and somewhere in some cabinet there's some bottle with some magic pill which will sort of undo all the things you either have done or have not done and you know the the physicians that i know when we sit down they just kind of shake their head and they're they're like that's not how it works right you know and i think that they say that you the responsibility for you know good health has to be on the individual you know like are you eating right are you exercising do you get enough sleep you know 
um, just all of sort of the basic tenants. And they, you know, if you neglect all those, it's like if you got a brand new car, never change the oil, never rotate the tires, beat the hell out of it, right. take it back to the garage and tell them that it doesn't run that good, the mechanic's going to look at you and be like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no right. kidding, it doesn't run real good. Look what you did to it. Yeah, and I think if you look at like the the end of life care too, I mean we that's where so much so many of the resources are spent, and I think we just haven't really um, grappled with that in a good way. That's a very good point. Yeah. That's a very good point. I was just listening to uh, to a guy by the name of Josh Barnett, who's probably probably most well known uh, for being a uh, uh, mixed martial artist, like professional fighter, but is also like a very well-read and articulate man. And he was just talking about this, the fact that in, in our culture, we have done as much as we can to dissociate ourselves with the notion of death. And it's just something that now seems so foreign to us. And I think that that goes back to maybe a little bit about what you were saying before is, you know, wanting to protect your children and things like that. But I think that we have created uh, a reality is the wrong word because it's actually not reality, but I'll use it because I don't have a better one. But a reality where you are so removed from the actual basic facts of life that when, as they will, eventually do present themselves, you lack the capacity to manage them. Yep. It's always like, well, I'll get to it tomorrow, or I'll call so-and-so, or I'll apologize, or I'll tell my parents I love them, or whatever it might be. And you don't realize that there's only so many ticks on the clock. Yep. And yep. I think that there are certain professions which face that in a much more immediate context but for most people it's not the case so when those end of life moments decisions come along people really really struggle with that yeah i think that that's a great point and i think um and a lot of times what happens is you know you'll have um you know, there, there'll be the first time that you deal with that issue of like your, your parent or your, you know, sibling or your, your grandparent who's really sick. And, um, and then you have multiple kind of, you know, family members or, um, you know, uh, people who are decision makers or, um, kind of involved in the, you know, in, involved in the end of life care. And, and I think, um, what ends up happening is the default is always, uh, you know, to, um, to keep going and deny so, and delay. Yeah. And so, you know, people, everyone deals with it at some point, but you know, if you haven't dealt with it yet, um, you will. And then, you know, and it, you know, like I said, the default is to, to keep going, you know, if anyone in that, in that group, you know, is, uncomfortable with letting them go oftentimes, mm -hmm. you know, that, you know, that person's voice, um, kind of, uh, carries the most weight, you yeah, know, so. For sure. Well, I think that we, you know, we live in this culture where there is this 
hyper acute desire to not offend god forbid anyone but then also like as you said before as i've said before like the fragility of people you know and i think that it has reached with our generation a fever pitch i think that we're at like a point now where it is in some people it is pathologic and what's interesting is if you talk to older generations like my grandparents generation right they lived through and saw things that were much harsher than anything that most people our age have experienced yeah and as a result they were i think just better developed as people you know when my grandfather was getting into his late 80s i remember this one time he had you know i get this call from my mother grandfather has abdominal pain next thing i know i'm in the truck and i'm you know driving over there turns out just about a gastritis not a big thing right but my brother and i are sitting with him in his hospital room before he discharged himself you know, from the hospital before the doctors said he should. Um, he goes, never bring me back here. He's like, no matter what. He's like, you never bring me back to the hospital. He's like, I think he was 88 or 89 at the time. Right. Like, he's like, if I die tomorrow, I die tomorrow. And yeah, and that's just what he wanted. He's of sound mind. And, you well, know, that's and, just... and I think you just have to, you know, you eventually hopefully you come to some peace with the fact that like we are all mortal and man you look around though in society today and i think everything looks away from that and i think that eventually the bill is going to come due on that and I think we see now, like, again, I sort of feel like, you know, I'm repeating myself, but people's just the inability to deal with the fact that, like, eventually the hourglass runs out for me, for you, for everybody we know. Or, yeah, I wonder if maybe people just don't, um, you know, can't really envision themselves at that stage and, like, um, what it means, you know, for their, you know, their own their own decision-making about their own health and end of, end of life, you know, what they, what they would want. Like that, it, it's a hard thing to, um, to kind of, uh, envision, um, if you've never, yeah, certainly if you've never even experienced like a, a loved one going through that, you know? Right. Yeah. But I think maybe that there's something to be taken away from that. I think that if you, if you stop, if you do think about it and you reflect on the fact that, you do only have so much time. I would hope it would make you a better person. Yep. It would make you not want to waste any time. I mean, obviously you don't want to go to the other extreme where you're like constantly like perseverating about the fact that like eventually it, you know, it's over. But enjoy this moment. Enjoy this day, this sunrise, this sunset. Be good to the people around you. Like love your family. Like do the right thing. Like live with like good intent yeah get off your phone you know like be in the moment right right like embrace like the wonders around you 
take the time, you know, do something kind or decent for someone else. Like, you know, it's funny how you see all these things out there, billboards or social media or whatever, and it, it's, it's a lot of sentiment, but not with a lot of follow through. Yeah. I wonder if like, um, you know, if you, if you, have you watched like any, any like eighties movies or seventies or eighties movies sure. recently? Or like, like in, with, well, I don't know, like in the last few years, um, trying to, I can't even think of like which one, which one, uh, hit me when I did this, but you know, what, what we do sometimes is, um, show kids, show our kids some movies that we liked when yeah. we, when we were small or whatever. Sure. And, um, and the movies move so slowly compared to like what they're used to. Absolutely. That they can't even, they can't even like, it can't hold their, hold their attention. Right. And so, you know, I kind of wonder if, you know, what's happened is we're just so easily distracted that yeah. we don't actually, you know, we don't spend the time doing what you're talking about kind of re- you know, reflecting and really like, uh, well, I mean, things that I've talked about, you know, on the podcast before, and my buddy Cole was just on it, right? He's a, he's a musician, he's a videographer. And one of the things that he's working on right now is sort of this project. And it's what it is, is like, it's a visual album. And what that is, is it's sort of dynamic art. But what he's done is he's like, I want to slow it down. I want people to be able to look at something and to think about it and to like come up with their own thoughts before it changes to the next thing. Like everything right now is so fast that you don't even have time to consider what it is you're thinking or feeling or anything like that. You know, one of the things that I've talked about with another buddy of mine is what happened to like great thought, right? People today will point at the fact that we've lost the ability for like meaningful dialogue. And I very much agree with that. But I also think we've just completely stopped thinking. Where did that go? Why is it not why is a premium not placed on someone who speaks with intelligence, articulation, conviction, yep. and passion all at the same time? Why does one have to be separate from the other? It doesn't. You know, we were just out in Boston and we were walking the Freedom Trail. And anybody who knows me, you look around the room right now, books everywhere. Love to read. Hardy Boys. Hey man, that, I love it. I tell you what, when I was, I think I got my first one when I was nine, changed my life. I I have the whole series too. I tell like, again, it should like, if I was in charge of the world, that would be part of like junior high curriculum right there. You'd have to read every one of them. But so I particularly enjoy old bookstores, like antique bookstores. And so we went into this, we found this antique bookstore along the way and um went in and there was i found this old um it was a compilation of letters written by just ordinary union soldiers during the civil war right and these presumably were not men of higher education right they're probably clerks or farmers or who knows what right 
and they got put in a uniform and sent off to war. And these were correspondents back to their, you know, girlfriends, wives, family, right. whatever. That's the way they did it. Right. Yeah. But to read these letters was the the use of language, the skill, the ability to express oneself was un. Believable. Hmm. It is something that, like, you would be like, well, clearly this was written by a tenured professor at a at a university. Not so. Wow. And now we have people that spell words with a Z where you should use an S right. because they think it's cool. Yeah, or or you have the you know the autocorrect, and uh, you know you never have to, to actually figure out how to how to spell anything. Right. Yeah. Like we've just made it. We've just dumbed it down so much. And then people are surprised that things are the way that they are. And I'm like, we did this to ourselves. Right. And then, yeah. And then you have um, all the the various, uh, uh, you know, media and um, that we consume that kind of deliver delivers the opinions, you know. So you, you don't like, you know, what happened to just exploring, you know, exploring, th- you know, thoughts and uh and ideas with you know with others right you know it i think a lot of times what happens is you kind of just tune into one one set of uh stations and absolutely and it's just an echo chamber well and like what happened to things like debate right yeah like where did that go why is that not something that is stressed or that it should not be important the like ability to like get out there and and be able to describe or engage with another person like the topics of the day like i that i, I never understood that right i mean so your kids i mean like 16 and obviously kind of going on down the line like when when you and i obviously i know your wife too like two like a probably the very most intelligent people that I know and, you know, that I count among my friends, like, what do you tell your kids? You know, we try to, um, yeah, I mean, I think we try to have an open mind about, um, about various ideas and, um, you know, not, uh, you know, allow, you know, allow kind of open, open discourse and, you know, our our kids, uh, you know, it's fun when you have multiple kids because they, they, are all so different. Like you think that they would all be the same, but they're all so different. All right. And, um, well, and I think, f- I mean, like you have siblings. Yeah. You're probably quite different than your siblings. Yeah, that's true. And I'm certainly different than mine. Right. Yep. So like, yeah, they all, um, I don't know, all have their own opinions and, and kind of argue and stuff. And, is it tough as a parent to look around at like the madness that is the world right now and try and have to, in some way explain that to your children as they have questions? Yeah. I don't know if we've hit, um, I don't know. I don't know if we've hit, uh, super difficult topics. <laughs> I'm sure we have. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, my, I guess my oldest is, uh, you know, he's very in tune to the, the world around him, but, um, does he ever come to you with stuff? Does he ever, I mean, does he, does he, ask hey dad what about this um yeah yeah i'm sure he does he you know i think all these kids are so kind of um you know they they consume lots of information all throughout throughout the day you know and that is okay so i want to 
hit the pause button and explore that a little bit because I think the amount of information that we are exposed to on a daily basis is completely unnatural. Yeah, it is. I mean, you know, you come home and whether it's, um, you know, it, it's hard to unplug and and not, you know, not check your phone, not check your, your work email and, you know, and, and all that kind of stuff. And we're just kind of trained to, to do it. But yeah, you, you definitely need to... It's such an interesting experiment in the human animal. Like you, you, I feel like people just became like a mouse going after that like little feeder pellet. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, you know, it's obviously been sort of probably talked to death at this point, but things like the internet, your phone, your computer, like we created something that as an organism, as the human animal, we are completely biologically unequipped to handle yeah unequipped to handle and um you've heard of dunbar's number rings or i don't know dunbar's number is the theory that human beings evolved to have a set number of meaningful relationships right and i think the number is either 150 or 200 depending on what you read and the reason that that came about is that was usually somewhere around that number was the number of people in what used to be your tribe, your village, yeah. right? There are 150 people here, and I know all of them. But now, what you're exposed to, I mean, think about even just 100 years ago, right? So it's 2022 now. In 1922, if something happened in, let's go with Ukraine for convenience sake today, you wouldn't know about it for weeks, maybe at, 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 the, at the soonest, right? Right. I mean, what, did they come by telegram? Right. And now the entire world is instantaneous. And I think, I just think that everything that we have witnessed recently, like, and I'm talking about like the last 10 years, the further we get away from what we were supposed to do naturally, is the root cause of so many, if not all, of the ills that we as a species experience. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think the, you know, the news cycle um, has sped up so much, right? Well, but I, I mean, mean is it even news? No. I mean, it, it just, or it's an information cycle. Right? Is it even information? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, right. it's just some sort of like, it, it's, it's just... It's a distraction. An, it, well, well, it's a narrative. It's It's someone's agenda. It's someone's agenda. Like, I like to be well-informed, but where do you even go for that anymore? Right. Like, especially if you are of the understanding that everyone's out there trying to manipulate you in one way or another. And that's that sounds a little Machiavellian, and I don't want to believe that, but I do. I, I think over the past probably... Um, or at least for me over the past, maybe seven years or so, like, I think I've become very, um, critical and, um, yeah, critical of the, you know, anything I read, you know, sure. and, and I think before that, um, you know, remember the people used to, you know, at, at some point this, the saying originated, you can't believe everything that you, mm -hmm. that you read on the internet or right. whatever. Like, um, I think as a, 
society, we've we've become um, much more uh, critical, and we scrutinize, you know, what what we're reading compared to do compared we? to several years ago. I, I I do think. I mean, I remember like before Trump was in office, like I didn't even. I mean, I followed politics a little bit, but I di- didn't re- truly understand kind of the the different media slants like the different sides yeah to, you know that um i started to appreciate like once you know you know once he was in office and then you know like what's happened over the past 10 years i mean the but do you think that that's societal do you think that that's most people or do you think that that's you because i know you and i will tell you that you are not yeah maybe the common you know like you're not the sort of the norm right you're one of those people that I look at and I'm like, this is a man who's like clearly of a higher intelligence, very educated, very astute, shrewd, and does view things with sort of a, a critical eye. Not to be like, not critical in a negative way, but critical in a, I'm going to like right. really sort of mull this over and evaluate it. A lot of people out there. I don't think that's the case. You look at a lot of people out there and they're taking things depending on what their sort of basic belief system slash, you know, operating system is like, and they're taking things on face value. It's emotion. It's impulse. No one's thinking about anything. You know, I wonder how the, um, I wonder how the internet and like social media specifically impacts, you know, the, the countries with, you know, um, kind of the closed countries with, with propaganda, you know, I mean, if you look at what's going on with Russia, you know, they're trying to control the information, you know, you you just wonder, you know, it's a different, it's a different era, um, because of the, you know, the, the access to the instantaneous access to information that was not available a hundred years ago, 50 years ago. And it's gotta be more difficult to control the narrative Um, and and I know they try to like through social media by, by, you know, uh, censoring and, you know, kind of, uh, you know, utilizing propaganda, but I don't know how effective that is. I think that people no longer know where to turn for the truth. And I think that is very alarming, right? I think that even if you want to be informed or educate yourself where do you even turn for what is an unbiased presentation of of whatever might actually be happening you know what i mean there there may there may be no place and you just have to um you you have to just process all that information and and but you only can know what it is that you know and like a story i've told in the past when I was in high school is when a lot of, you know, sort of communism fell and a lot of people from Russia started immigrating to the United States, anybody that could, right? Uh, Because if you knew anything about Russia at that time, not so hot. Right. And so you had a lot of like engineers, doctors, whatever, they all came over here and, you know, rightfully so, right? I'm the son of immigrants. So, hey, great. And they were great people. And I remember sitting around having a beer one night and some of these guys had become our friends and i forget exactly what the topic was we were talking about but i made a reference to some sort of a historical event 
And I said, yeah, because, you know, it, like it happened like this, A, B, and C. And this guy, this Russian dude, offered the counterpart. He goes like, no, it didn't. He goes, it <laughs> happened X, Y, and Z. And I said, no, man, because I, I, you know, I knew from my studies and from the yeah, books, like, right. this is what happened. And I said, no, man, I was like, it went like this. And he, again, no, and offered the counterpoint. And I had had, you know, we went back and forth for a few minutes and I'd had, you know, I was like, all right, enough of this. I'm like, I will go and get the book, bring it here and show you <laughs> that I'm right. <laughs> to which he responded, I will go and get my book and show you. And that was like a, that was an epiphany moment for me. Do you remember what the like what the topic was? You I don't. don't. Well, but I wonder if it was like was, World War Two or something like that. I, but what like regardless of what it actually of what actually we were talking yeah, about, right? What the what I understood in that moment was that the only reason I quote unquote knew anything is because that is what I had been taught, right? And someone, yeah, somewhere had decided what I, as an American student, should be taught. And how? That's a very eye-opening moment yeah. because someone somewhere else is getting taught something that may be the complete opposite. And it's not that either one of you wants to put the other one's thoughts down or wants to like try, you know what I mean? Right. It's just your reality is what you have been taught. Right. And that you think those are facts. Like when For you're, sure. when you're in school. Absolutely. Yeah. I remember growing up and my grandmother telling me that the crust of the bread was healthier than the bread on the inside, right? To get me to eat my crust, <laughs> right? Honest to God, that really happened. <laughs> Did it work? Right? I was in college before someone called me out on it one time. And I was like, yeah, man, you got to eat your crust. It's the best part. And they looked at me and they're like, are you serious? <laughs> Prove it. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. And, and they were like, I will punch you in the face if you really mean that. They're like, can you explain to me? Like the chemical reaction that takes place on the outside of the bread in the oven that makes the crust healthier than what's on the inside. Like, and of course it doesn't mean anything, right? right? Right. But I had heard that since I was an infant. And like, you understand what I'm yeah, saying? right. People out there, even if you have the mental horsepower to really, and, and the desire to, to truly engage. Like where do you? Where the hell where do you, do you even it? go? Yeah. I mean, I cannot begin to imagine what it must be like to be like a young person, you know, not a child, a child, you know, whatever, but even that, and that's a whole other rabbit hole to go down to because I feel like what's going on in the schools right now just makes my blood boil. <laughs> but you come to that point, 13, 14, 15, 16, and you're starting to become self-aware, right? You are aware of like, kind of like your own thoughts, what you think about things, how things make you feel. My God, where like what an insanely confusing time, especially yeah. now. Well, I think you know there may not be the one place that you go, but I I think you know your best bet is to definitely get outside of the bubble that you're in. You know, so yes. like yes, you know if you're able to experience multiple bubbles, hundred percent. Like, you know, then as many data yeah. points as you can yeah. get all over the map and look for some sort of pattern. Yeah. Right. Right. It has to be that way trial and error i mean you got to take it back to like the basic scientific method right i have this theory i'm going to test it out the best i can i'm either going to prove it right or prove it wrong and i'm going to go on that but i mean hell man outside of your own anecdotal experience like where the hell do you go yeah yeah i think it's becoming more and more apparent you know like anytime you 
anytime I, um, you know, uh, watch TV on, you know, kind of the major, major news networks or whatever, it, you know, the first, anything I, anything I see, I'm just kind of questioning and, For sure. you know, just like, eh, I don't know. Because someone's trying to get you to think a oh. certain way. And what's insane is the fact that how many books have been written on this very thing or how many historical like things you can point to as far as like the use of propaganda in this, you know, in this regime or this society and the fact that like history continues to repeat itself. So, so where do we, where do, where do you think, um, where do you think it goes from here? What's the, that's the, what's really the solution? Is there a solution? I mean, it's one of those things where, you know, how do you, first of all, do people want to agree? Like, I suppose that's the first question. And agree on what? You know, I don't know what the population of this country is, right? But let's, for argument's sake, say that it's 300 million. 300 million people of every walk of life, from, from everywhere, of every belief, creed, you know, everything you want to say. One equally as valuable and as, you know worthy as the next but some people believe this some people believe that equally fervently who's right who's wrong and the thing of it is no one's right no one's wrong yeah but how do you get 300 million people to agree on anything and i think what it is is you have to go back to the basics you have to go back to like the basics of just decent just decency yeah I like, agree. Everyone agrees that, like, or should agree that, like, you should look after children. Right. You should look after the elderly. You know, you should, you know, in some ways try to make the world a better place. But I also think that we need to take, like, a big step back and understand, like, respect your neighbor. Like, if they do something that is not what you do, so long as they're not hurting you, who cares? Right. And I mean, that should be applicable in, in every facet of life. It's like, you ever read Dr. Seuss to your kids? Yeah. There's a great Dr. Seuss book, I think, and I'm reaching way back in the memory banks here, but it's about like the group of people that eat their bread buttered on the top and the group of people that eat their bread buttered on the bottom. And they go to war hmm. over something like that. And you're like, oh, it's just a kid's book. But then you look at society right now, and you're like, no. No, like Dr. Seuss was way ahead of his time. Right. Like my man was looking into the tea leaves and predicting the future. Yeah. Yeah. We do need to be nicer, you know, it's nicer. It's just and, yeah. that. Right. Like relax, have a beer, like calm the fuck down. Yeah. And, th but then, you know, the other side is, uh, you know, I guess, you know, you can, you can say be nice, but then, um, uh, you know, are, are people allowed to, um, you know, be critical and, and, and speak their minds and, um, and then, you know, we kind of talked about the fragility of, of things and, you know, it's, it's a, it's a little bit of a, a tight walk, a tightrope walk. It is, you know? it is. But I think, you know, you're looking at a lot of different things. You're looking at, you know, like, how are you, how is a child raised? What are their experiences? How do you instill in them strength? Like, that's a big thing, man. Like, I think that that 
strength, not just of, of body, but of character. You have to be able, like, if you believe something, defend it honorably, rationally, like with facts. Yeah. Anybody can get up and just scream emotion, but that right. doesn't, that never wins the day. What that does is it just polarizes things, right? And it makes it worse. Yeah. Yeah. I think you got to, yeah, I think and we all need to. you have to look for the common denominator in your fellow man. And I mean, not just your fellow citizen. I'm talking about your fellow human, right? Going back to what I was just talking about. You and I grew up, Cold War was still a thing. Yep. Oh, the Russians, bad. Do you know how many people, how many Russian people I know that are absolutely awesome? Like salt of the earth, literally. Yeah. Like amazing people, amazing culture, right? Amazing food, history, literature, art philosophy, science, medicine, all of it, they are exactly like us. And when I say us, I mean Americans. Yeah. They want to see the sunrise in the morning. They want to see their kids happy. They want to like have a cold beer and enjoy life. Right. Everybody's like that. Yep. No matter where you travel. I always love how I would meet someone and they'd be like, oh, I don't like that group of people. Interesting. Have you ever met that group of people? No. Right. Okay. So you don't like a group of people you never met. Yeah. So you're an idiot. You you're need, clearly you, just, yeah, you that's need, it. You need data points, right? We were talking about this. You need, you need data points. You need to like get out there and, you know, and meet, and meet people. But again, it takes some sort of like personal fortitude to step over that invisible line of what you don't know yeah. and what is unfamiliar and move yourself into territory that is new and to experience it and then make up your mind. If you meet them and you hang out with them and you still don't like them, fine, I got nothing to say. Right. But I think more often than not, you're like, these people are great, right? Yeah, totally. Yeah, I mean, I think, um, I mean, so much, I mean, so much growth occurs when you um, break out of your comfort zone and you become uncomfortable and you experience, you know, experience new things, new data points, but it, it, it's hard, you know, it's hard, it's but hard to do. But... shouldn't dissuade people because something is hard. Like right. what, what always makes me laugh, point to anything, point to any like icon of our civilization, right? Let's just take one that everybody can acknowledge. Michael Jordan, right? Yeah. Does anything about that guy's story <laughs> smack of easy? Yeah. Of right. course not. Everything that dude did, everything was hard. Everything. Point to anybody else, right? Look at, you know, Steve Jobs. Yeah. Okay. Did, does that look like an easy road? Of course not. But people are like, well, it's hard. And yeah, it's hard. Next, like, yes. It's hard. Right. It is hard. Like, we should double down on that. It's hard. Good. If it's hard, it will make you better in the end. Yeah, I mean that that that's the thing you want to teach your kids, right? Like, I would you, hope. Yeah, I would hope. You, you get. You have to. You know, you have to. Well, no, no, have... no. You definitely don't have to, and that's why we're at where we're at. Yeah. You definitely do not have to, and in this day and age, you most certainly don't have to 
You can slide. You can slide. And the slide is getting longer and longer and longer to now where you have people that are well into adulthood who are still sliding. I just wonder, like, you know, what is that? You know, you have you have some of those some of those people who have slid their entire life and then end up at a certain place. And then, you know, if you compare that with, you know, other people who have um, maybe maybe by themselves or maybe with guidance um, have uh, locked into that that you know that approach of of uh, challenging themselves, mm-hmm. you know, like. Those two, those two sets of people end up at very different places. Yes. You know? And so, um, I don't know. Like, how do you, yeah, I mean. Eventually, Darwin wins, man. Right. Eventually, Darwin wins. And what I mean by that is we can all be as civil as we want to be, and we can play nice in the sandbox so long as there's enough pie for everybody. But the very instant, and I mean the very instant, that there's not enough pie, you watch how quick that changes, right? Yep. And what, again, going back to what I said before, history repeats itself. Every great civilization or empire, no matter how advanced or how seemingly like intelligent or aware of the demise of their predecessors, ultimately went by the by right every single one of them and you look around right now and you're like we're how many trillion dollars in debt and you know what i mean yeah like so you start thinking about things and you're like hmm I've got a okay. good. I've got a good book for you. I'm gonna give. I'm gonna give you a book. I'm actually reading it right now. That's talking about this very thing. What is it? Can't remember the title. It's something about like I, I should have looked at it before I came, but um, something about like the the new world or, or how to do how to deal with the changing world order or something like that. And what he, what this guy does? He's a he's a really accomplished economist. I think he's uh-huh. like a uh, you know like a head of the like the biggest hedge fund or something like that but what he what he's interested in is looking at that at uh civilizations right over the past you know many centuries sure and trying to figure out um uh looking at their arc yeah. you know and then looking at um you know numerous uh qualities like specific you know specific metrics um i think it's like 20 or 25 and it, and basically like the he's looked at the last three currency empires so you have the dutch uh-huh. then you have um then you have england right. and then you have US, the us right. right so like you know the dollar is the the world's reserve currency right, right. now right it used to be you know it used to be the pound and then uh, i forget what the the dutch one is but um but you know what he what he breaks down is like exactly what you're saying that all of these empires are finite like and they last like 150 years uh, according to him right. and and there's this there's this arc where um you have the the up you know kind of the the uptick um where you know there's a emphasis on education i think education is the first thing to kind of really start to like um show progress so like education leads to inventiveness and uh 
you know, industry and technology and advancement, you know, so it's that it's the upward arc. Right. And then, you know, the people at that, that stage, you know, think of that, they think of themselves as poor, even though maybe they're, they're not, they work hard. They, you know, they save their money. Um, but eventually you get to the top and at the top is like, you have, um, you know, an abundance of, uh, resources. Uh, you start to, you know, you start not to work as hard. You start to enjoy the finer things in life. You, you develop big debt. You, um, you have, um, a lot of, uh, antagonism between political parties. You have the rise of populism. You have, um, you know, think things like that, which that all kind of rings a, rings a bell. And then you have the, the downslope, which I think ends in, you know, essentially the, you know, the currency no longer being the world currency. Cause you've, you know, you know, you've, um, loaned out, you, you know, your, your debt is so great. And like, you know, a lot of other countries have bought into, you know, bought into your country. Right. And then you're over leveraged, you're over leveraged. Yeah. And, and so anyway, you're like, you would actually love this, but it ties into like, you know, where we, where I think we've gone over the past, obviously like, you know, hundred years or whatever, yeah. but like your, like your grandparents generate our grandparents yeah. generation, our parents, us, and then what we're seeing now, you know, and then what we're looking down, down the road. At. Do you, do you ever heard of a guy by the name of G Michael Hopf? No. One of the best quotes that encapsulates everything you just said. Hard times create strong men, strong men create good times. Good times create weak men, and weak men create hard times. Yeah. That's it. That's it. That's great. It's all wrapped into one right there. For sure. Yeah. For sure. And, I mean, you, yeah, it's, it's one of those things where it just, again, I think, you know, I'm not a, I don't really dabble into psychology, but I think that so many of the, the ills of humanity just present themselves time and time and time again. And I think that if something continues to repeat itself, sort of despite what would seemingly be an obvious lesson throughout the course of history, then what you have to ask yourself is, is it just woven into us as species? Right. right. Yeah. You're like, this is it. Like, you get a 200 year run and you know good times and then somebody else is going to step up and you know what I mean right because that certainly seems like where things go every time despite people and it's always the minority that acknowledges like hey man we don't really have a grip on the wheel here and we're heading for the cliff right but you know the mob rules right that's what they said Rome is the mob and the mob rules yeah and you can look at these things and you can point to whatever and all the warning signs. And, but again, humanity is like water and water is always going to look for the easiest route down the hill. Yeah. But success is at the top of that hill. All the things that you want, whatever that might be, right? You want to be in great shape? You got to work out. You just have to work out. Yeah. Right. And that's hard. You want to be financially successful, okay? Almost, almost exclusively, that's going to require hard work. Right. No matter what it is, no matter what facet of human existence you might want to excel in, to excel is going to require commitment, hard work, sacrifice, 
dedication, discipline. And everybody likes to, to talk about these things and pay them lip service until it's actually time to put chalk on your hands and pick up the bar. Yep. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah, totally. And that's the thing. Everybody wants a baller car, but nobody wants a job where you make baller money because to get there, you better be a baller student. Yeah. You know what I mean? Right. Everybody's looking to just find the quick and easy route. Yeah, yeah. And the secret is, there is no secret. (laughs) Just hard work. That's it. Yeah. That's it. Challenge yourself. You just have to get in the game. Yeah. Yeah, another another thing that um yeah, this book talks about is kind of the the wealth gap. So like the you know, the increasing um disparity between, you know, the the very wealthy and the, you know, you know, the uh, you know, bottom half probably. Mm-hmm. Um contributes to um kind of this disorder yeah. where, you know, can and then eventually leads to the downfall where like you have this massive correction, right? Where the, you know, um, the majority of people say, Hey, I'm not up for this. French and revolution. Like, yeah, exactly. So like, you know, it, so yeah, I guess it gets into, uh, politics a little to, bit. You ever been to France? Yeah. Okay. I've been to Paris. You ever, okay. You ever been to Versailles? Yeah. Okay. For those of you who are listening, like, um, I'm going to get this wrong. It's either Louis the 14th or Louis the 16th, whichever one was the sun King. Anyway, Versailles was not even the primary palace of the French king. Like, not even the primary. This is like a secondary palace. And it is an estate and a palace of such grandeur and indescribable splendor that it is, it's, it's just, even in today's day and age, it is breathtaking. And what it must have been like back then right (laughs) it must have been like going to the house of god i think and that's probably what he intended people to think was like oh this is where a god or the god lives and at the same time people were living in dirt huts you know what i mean right like i've that's and it's it's the same like so when people like oh the the wealth gap today you're like no 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 like it's always existed right and people are like, oh, well, this this country is different than the countries that came before. In some respects, yes, but in others, it's very similar. You had a ruling class back in like medieval England. You had lords, nobles, right, the aristocracy. Does anyone really think that that doesn't still exist here? Of course it does. We just don't, we just give it a different name. Yeah, but I think we need to you know, think about what happened to, you know, what happened to some of these other um, empires and civilizations. But again, it goes back to human nature. You're always going to have, like, if you can grab a couple more coconuts off the tree, you're going to. Look around. Look at the excess of this country. Like, people that have three, four, six, ten houses... Yeah. You have, I'm sorry, you have 10, 10 houses? <laughs> and like, so like, okay, you go to some of these, like, I like to go out west a lot. Love to hunt, love to fish, love to travel out there, love places like that. People with a lot of money 
decide that they want to have a second, third, whatever number home in these little towns, right? Go to like Northern Idaho, perfect example, right? And what they do is they price the people who live there out of their own community. That is crazy. We were in Oahu. We were in Hawaii, okay? Oh, Oahu. Everybody, the whole world wants to be in Hawaii. We're just, you know, just for a laugh, looking at like some of these properties yeah. that are for sale. It is literally, and I like, I, I, there's no hyperbole here, a chicken shed, literally where they had chickens. And like, yeah, this is a million dollars or more. <laughs> Jeez. It, you, like, and people who grew up there were born there. Their families from there. Their parents are from there. Their grandparents are from there. Their entire lineage comes from this area can no longer af- afford to stay in the place that is their home because of a, of a dollar sign. Right. And that is wrong. Yeah. That's just not okay. But that's the world we live in where everything is for the dollar or, you know, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Totally agree. What were you doing in Oahu? Just checking it out. Yeah. Right. You know, who doesn't have want ever, to go have see the North Shore? Have you ever surfed or... I have, yeah. I have, um, badly, you know, <laughs> it's, um, I mean, how does a kid from Wisconsin, you know, learn how to surf, you know, you just yeah. you try and get out of the, ironically, there is actually surfing on Lake Michigan. Sheboygan, Wisconsin is known as the freshwater surfing capital of the world. Really? Every, I, I don't know if they still have it. I think they do. They have the Dairyland Classic. During the summer, hopefully? No, it's actually because, so in the ocean, it's um, it's like seismic swells and, and like the moon that cause oh, yeah. like the currents, which cause the waves. But in the Great Lakes, because they're smaller bodies of water, it's the sto- it's storm swells. So it's typically like November and December. And there are, there's a great book by two guys, Larry and Lee Williams, and it's called Some Like It Cold. <laughs> but it's all about like the surf culture of the Midwest. And if you go St. Joe's, Michigan, like there are legitimate surf shops. Wow. But guys and girls will get out in what is almost frozen water. It's like two degrees above freezing. And I mean the full on wetsuit. <laughs> I've got it in the other room where it's like you're wearing gloves boots and a hood and the whole thing and you paddle out into this slush and you can ride some waves <laughs> but it's not i mean it's nothing like the north shore yeah but i had always wanted to go and see it yeah you know things like the bonsai pipeline and all that kind of stuff and you walk out there and you see it and it's just unbelievable What's the, there's there's um i forget what it's called there there's some kind of cove um where you can go snorkeling and it um in, o- in oahu um I forget the name of it, but I went there when I was in high school and you, you snorkel around and maybe there are, mul- there are many of them probably, but um, you just see the most beautiful fish and every single one of them is different Yeah. and they'll swim all around you, won't touch you. And they're pretty, you know, pretty size, you know, right. decent size, but it's, um, it's like, a, you know, I don't know. It's just this massive variety of all these colors and Do you dive. No, I've yeah, I've never never done that. But I've snorkeled before. It's the ocean is a different thing, man. It really is. One of um when I was 
younger, um, I watched a documentary called Riding Giants, which is all about big wave surfing. And it just grabbed a hold of my imagination. And this was, you know, guys like, you know, like Greg Knoll and all these guys like back in the day when people didn't even really know like what Hawaii was. Yeah. They just got on like a turbo prop and flew out there and basically were like homeless, like lived on the beach and all they wanted. Like, I mean, they were just surf bums. That's all it was. Yeah. But basically discovered all of these breaks, you know, like discovered the North Shore. You know, it's the movie does a far better job of sort of getting into it than I could. But one of the things that I, you know, there's a, an author by the name of Aldo Leopold, who was a professor at the University of Wisconsin in Madison, but is like kind of considered the, I don't know, the godfather of American like naturalism and conservation. And he was a very gifted author too. Um, and one of the quotes that always stuck with me is, I am glad I shall never be young without wild country to be young in. And you think about kind of what we're talking about, like the phones and the internet and this and that. And I just think all of those things rob people of the really amazing experiences of life, which is somewhere on some mountaintop or in some forest or down some river or through some canyon or on some beach. You just have to go. Yeah. And the funny thing is, is that everyone's looking in their phone for those things, trying to experience They're not whatever there. I'm talking about <laughs> through someone else's yeah. video. And you're like, it's not the same thing, man. It's just not the same. I think that, I, I don't think, you know, you asked me before, like, what's the answer? Again, I don't think that it's complicated. I think it's, simple enough i just think that people have to be willing to sort of step out and begin the journey right i mean that's the theme of the podcast is be uncomfortable right like you know challenge yourself um yeah i think yeah i think that's uh whether it's with anything i don't like this food you've never had this food try this food i don't like those people you don't know those people Go meet those people. I don't like this place. I don't like this activity. You don't know. Right. And all of that I don't like, what that is really is someone saying, I am afraid of. Yeah. I'm scared of this thing. I'm made uncomfortable by this thing. And I am too weak. And I've shut my brain off. To to... take the step. Fear, weakness, and the unwillingness to acknowledge those things are the root of probably all the evil. You want somebody else to do your thinking for you, to tell you what you should feel, to tell you what to believe. And for me, like that's just such a foreign notion. I want to be able to figure it out for myself. Yeah, that's what you enjoy. That is what you enjoy. But that's life. Like yeah. that's the thing is you can't like I think ultimately, if you really boiled it all down, 
is people are afraid of living life. I mean, everything we've talked about for the past, you know, hour, death, making up your own mind, experiencing different things, it all comes from the willingness to live your own life fully, completely, honestly. You know, the good and the bad, the pleasant and the unpleasant. And to make the most of it, to embrace all of it, to realize I have this one go around the sun, as far as I know. And so, like, I'm going to smoke this son of a bitch down to the filter. Yeah. I guarantee you, you and everybody I call a friend, when they put this boy in the box, they'll be like, (laughs) God damn, that dude lived with his foot just smashed down to the gas pedal the whole way. Yeah, that's what I love about you. I mean, well, you you are. I mean, you you uh, you believe that, but you also live that. And you, I, like you and have you inspi- to, and you inspire it too. I think um, that's what I appreciate. But you never meet somebody. You never meet somebody that lived that way, like with a good heart. That at the end of whatever their journey is, was like, man, I regret that. Yeah, yeah, totally. And to you know, kind of to bring it back to what we were talking about before. You're gonna die one day. It's just the way it's going to be. And whether it's you've got time to sort of lay there and reflect and you know it's coming or there's a snap of the fingers and you're gone, like, that's coming. And I want to go to that moment and be like, I did everything I could. Yeah. I was as good to people as I could. And, and not that anyone's perfect. My God, I am so flawed. I've made so many mistakes. I have regrets as long as train smoke. But like today's a new day. Tomorrow's a new day. The day after that is a new day. And every new day is a chance to like do it the way that you think it should be done. Even in the smallest way. I'm not satisfied, maybe someone would say, with my job, the man that I am, the way I treat my kids. How the father I am, the name, whatever it is. Okay, cool. You get another chance, go do it. What are you going to do about it? Exactly. What are you going to do about it? Are you just going to sit here and like stew about it? Or are you going to show some initiative and begin to move the ball in the right direction? And for me, my thing is, I want to surround myself with the people, the latter. What are we going to do? Because we've all had that experience where you got a group of 10 people and there's two people that are like super motivated and willing to put in the work and then you got eight people that are just dead weight, right? Yeah. But on occasion, you get in a group where it's the opposite, where it's eight people or nine people or maybe you completely lucked out and it's 10 people that are motivated. If you have 10 motivated people that are committed to the same cause, there is nothing that you can't do. Yeah, There's nothing you can't do. That's a team right there. That's a that's a formidable team. What it is is it's it's your tribe. It's a group of like-minded people like working together, which is the essence of humanity. Yeah. I lo- I love that cuz that's the way you're living life. I mean, I I think that, you know, you can think about teams from you know like a sports or a competition perspective you can think about it from a work work perspective but um yeah i I like that thinking about that of your you know the way you live your life i like that you know and i think that there are so many people that i look to 
you know, for inspiration. But I think, you know, like, you know, you've got kids, I got one on the way. And what would you tell them? You know, what would, what advice would you give them when they ask? So, you know, I, I think, you know, what I tell my kids all the time and they, they probably, or they, they get sick of it. Um, because, you know, I, you know, I have a little bit of fun doing it, but like, you know, my, my philosophy of like, of learning is the more you do it or the, or the more you practice, the, right. the better you get. Right. And the better you get, the more you like it. Yeah. And then the more you like it, the more you do it. And the more you do it, the better you get. And the better you get. It just becomes sick. Yeah. And I keep on, keep on, you know, going, going through that. And then until I'm blue in the face and they're just like staring at me, but they, they, that's the, I mean, I, I believe that, you know, and, and what do you want to, you know, what do you want to be good at? Like, do you want to be good at, uh, you know, uh, Roblox or Fortnite or Minecraft? Um, cause that's what everyone else is doing, you know, like, right. or, or, you know, um, or it takes a lot to be a leader, especially as a young person. And it takes a lot to break with the current trend, even if the trend is horseshit. Right. Yeah. I remember those days. I remember junior high where like, all you want to do is fit in. All you want to do is be popular. Right, you want to be one of the cool kids. Those are tough years. Super tough years, right? Yeah. And, but I guess if somehow you can encourage, like, a kid in that spot, like, stand on your own two feet. Like in the end, when the rest of these people have long faded into the mist, you will be infinitely better for it. You know, no one's gonna care about the video games you played. Right. But like you'll look back on something something you built, a trip you took, like a paper you wrote, you know, a song you sang. You'll remember that and you'll take that with you. You know? And it's even more tragic when you see it in adults. You know? When you look back on the sum total of your life, like, what's it going to be? Yeah. What'd you do? Right. You know, I always tell people, you know, I came across it somewhere, and I think it, the saying was, one day your grandchildren will sit at, the, at your feet and ask to hear the story of your life. Hmm. Make sure it's a story worth telling. Yeah. And I lucked out, man. I came from people where both sides, both my mother's parents and my father's parents, like, Unbelievable stories. Unbelievable stories. Like the things that those people saw, did, lived through, the adversities that they overcame. It was just, it was, I mean, no movie right. could ever come close to it. Right? Yeah. And I looked at them and I'm like, okay. I'm when up I, next. When I get my turn. <laughs> yeah. Like, right. I won't strike out. Yeah. I think, uh, I think that's the, yeah, that's the way, that's the way to do it for sure. Um, yeah, we don't have, I mean, I, I think we don't necessarily have as much adversity, um, around us. Like I think the, as we were talking about, there's more of a, more of a cushion, but, um, I think we do. I think it's a different kind of adversity. I think if you look around the world now and you're like, 
Oh, okay. So the adversity is like the status quo. Like, I'm going to slay that dragon. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to... I'm going to take a turn back towards, like, integrity, honor, discipline, like... Yeah. And you got to do it through actions, right? Absolutely. Like, you got to live absolutely. it. You got to live it. I say it all the time. Talk is cheap. Show me. Don't tell me. Yeah. Show me. You know? And, and do that. That, I think, is... That's the challenge facing people now, no matter how old you are. Right. You got to look around and be like, oh... Oh, this is all bullshit. All of it. Everything, almost everything I hear is a lie. And it's just somebody out there trying to use me as a piggy bank. Trying to get me to like grind widgets until I'm dead to make somebody else money. No. Like, not me, bro. Like, yeah. mm -mm. So, I don't know, man. But, know. uh... Kind of went, we got, went down a lot of rabbit holes there, brother. <laughs> went down a lot of rabbit holes. That's fun. Holes. Every time we get together, uh, we go down what? some rabbit holes. We're going to do it again. <laughs> We're going to do it again. I uh, I always enjoy sitting down and talking with you. Oh, I really, really do. It's and mutual, I, man. I appreciate, uh, I appreciate you coming on. I appreciate you sitting down and, you know, us being able to have the conversation. But uh, come back and do it again, yeah? Yeah, definitely. Awesome. All right. We appreciate you guys listening. And uh, website, again, is uh, modernsavagenation.com. You can uh, email us at uh, modernsavagenation at gmail.com. And we're on Instagram at, at modernsavagenation. Appreciate you guys. Talk to you soon.